The Incomparable t-shirts are back. You have to order by December 3rd, 2017. They should arrive in the U.S. in time for Christmas. Choose from Skeletor, the TPK Dragon, the Robot, the Random Trek Spaceship, the classic Incomparable Zeppelin, and there's also a defocused shirt. Go to theincomparable.com slash shirt for more details. The Incomparable. Number 380. November 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. We're here with another edition of our video game club, which is basically the only chance I get to play video games, is when they're assigned to me, and then I have to do them. I have to play. Dear family, my family who wants to do things with me, I can't. Not today, for I must play video games for The Incomparable. Uh, The games I played are What Remains of Edith Finch, which is from Giant Sparrow, and Tacoma from the makers of Gone Home, Fulbright. Uh, Joining me to talk about video games, of course, John Syracuse is here, because how could he not be? Hello. Just going to start at the beginning, Jason, with The House. Mm, Fair enough. And a freelancer who's just docked with the station and is going to be discussing video games with us, Brian Hamilton. Hello. Hello. I I promise to not talk in the mini voice the rest of the game. Okay. And uh, Alison Truch is also here to talk about video games with us. Hello. Only what remains of me is here. Oh. This podcast begins sitting on a ferry in Puget Sound as as we read a book. And Uh, I'm a ghost. Ooh, ghosts. (laughs) Uh, All right. We should start with what remains of Edith Finch, which is the latest in a series of video games that I played involving a female protagonist in a semi-creepy location in the Pacific Northwest. This is three (laughs) now. So many of them. I'm wearing my Arcadia Bay, Oregon t t-shirt right now i thought that would get me in the mood because of course gone home and uh and uh oh no i can't remember the name of it um, life is strange life is strange i haven't played the prequel for that yet but uh although i've heard people say nice things about it and then what's what remains of edith finch she's in orcas island washington uh going to her this sort of winchester mystery house kind of house but also definitely just the weasley family home <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not not quite as 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 Hobbit Burrow like, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so the, and and this, and that's that's that was the series Gone Home. It's funny. This is not the game from the people who made Gone Home, but this is the game that really reminded me of Gone Home in the sense that it is uh, this character who is a young woman who has come back to her family home and is walking around learning things about her family. And that's basically, I mean, that's basically the plot. The plot is that uh, she goes back to the home because her rest of her family is dead, and she's been given a key and she explores the home and learns uh things about her family i was gonna say learns facts but facts is probably not the right word for what she learns when i think about gone home and how it's probably not the first game of this genre but it's the first one that came across my radar and therefore informs almost all opinions about almost all video games i've played since uh edith finch is definitely the most spiritual successor to gone home in that way where you're right there's all these surface level similarities but even on a deeper level about learning things about your family in this character that you barely know as a player really makes edith finch feel like a gone home successor to me 
It also feels a lot like a television show. Like I, I got that feeling, or maybe maybe a miniseries. Because although what you just described, Jason, is basically the premise. Here's the premise. But yeah. They, like a television show, they very intentionally uh, omit strategic pieces of information mm-hmm. to be revealed later in critical episodes or whatever. Um, and I thought that uh, Gone Home is not like that. It's like more. It's more compressed. It's like a single movie. Edith Finch plays out more like a TV series because you can see all these dramatic turns and uh, clever, uh, you know, clever ways to convey important information so that when it all comes together in the end, finally you have the full story. Uh, And it just feels very accomplished to me in that way. And a very accomplished storytelling, which I, you know, for people who don't like Gone Home and don't call it a walking simulator and don't think it's a game and so on and so forth, um, I don't know if Edith Finch will change their minds about it but edith finch is like gone home but like turbo like like (laughs) more of it and better i definitely agree that it's really well segmented and sectioned off by each of the family members i would say um because my day job i i work publishing like literary fiction and nonfiction and poems and I feel like of all of the games of this genre that I've played, I really feel like Edith Finch, in the way that it's constructed, is incredibly, like, it's more than it's just kind of like a book. It's actually very, like, literary. It's like, um, Brian and I will surely talk about this, but today I had my cousin play it, and we had a three-hour-long discussion about about the video (laughs) game after we played it in a very, like... uh, as a person who went to writing school, like literature workshop mm-hmm. kind of like way. Um, and I, I've never seen something like that happen because um, especially with Gone Home, like the story is really, really good. But also the fact that it's a video game and it's open world, like adds to that kind of a thing. But I would actually say, and maybe this is just because of my background, I really feel like Edith Finch, even if it had been written as a short story or like a sec- like a, a collection of short stories, I think it could have stood on its own even without being a video game. And there is a, and there is a through line. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it is episodic and there's the different people in the family, but there is most definitely a through line. And I think part of what provides that through line is, you know, again, getting back to people complaining these things don't seem like traditional video games, is the fact that you are controlling the protagonist through the game and that that is and and learning things about yourself throughout the game so that's one uh, you know through line but also the the gameplay experience like we'll just talk a little bit about like gone home you're basically walking around a house and you click on things more yep. or less i think, I think <laughs> summed up the gameplay um uh, at some point we should say at some point you realize that even though it's a dark and stormy night and the house is deserted uh, nothing is ever going to jump out at you at some point you realize in gone home that no it's not that game you're just going to click on things that's the whole thing yeah. yeah and and the thing about gone home is it's very straightforward and it doesn't it doesn't the only expectation it subverts is that maybe you think someone's going to jump out at you but it's not but that's basically it. edith finch subverts expectations from the very first time you kick off into a story but it the, the, the part of the through line is the gameplay experience of like uh the writing of the the little words into the environment right the, narr- right? the narrator so, this is a narrated story and the narration is shown uh on the environment and at several points the narration is uh leading you where you need to go literally like the letters are flying off the screen or and at one point it is part of the gameplay actually is to interact mm-hmm. with the letters mm-hmm. yeah and and that 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 feels like it propels you 
through the story in a like in Gone Home, you could find yourself just wandering into various rooms and clicking on a bunch of stuff and not know, quite knowing what you're doing. And that never happens in this. And it's not necessarily because this is more linear. It's because the narrative is more propulsive. You follow the words. They, you know, you 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 follow the. You want to hear what's next. There is a pacing to the narration that, and this is where the participatory part happens. Sort of like in Journey, where when things are firing on all cylinders, you are triggering the next revelation and the next. A snippet of audio because the narration is all read to you at the correct time for all the timing to work out and when when that works when you are participating in essentially performing the play that is edith finch it is kind of magic yeah and i think also uh the important note is that like gone home in the first like five minutes of the game you can find the panel to the basement and then finish it Whereas, like, Edith Finch, there's a specific path that you must go through. You can't go through the world. You can't go through the house like it's an open world game. It's very, like, intentional in what you can do when you can do it. Yeah, you can wander the house, but there are certain areas that are closed off to you. But wandering will not, like, you, you won't find yourself. It's not one of those games where, like, all right, I, I could follow the main storyline, but let me let me check every cabinet door in the kitchen because that area is open to me. You very quickly learn that's not what this game wants you to do, despite yeah. the fact that you could do it. It's not open world, but there are places where you can go. There's just nothing for you there. And the thing is, once you get, once you start triggering the narrative and exploring, like, the, the narrative, as in Journey, things you naturally want to do are the things that propel the narrative. Like, it's it's very well constructed to herd you down the cattle chute, as, well, maybe I'll use a different analogy <laughs> no. based on the last story. It's herding you in a particular direction. And and I think, you know, we brought up uh, uh, Life is Strange. Not to dump on Life is Strange, but uh, both, this is very much like uh, Life is Strange and Gone Home kind of mixed together but the writing of Edith Finch I think is so good so economical so again like a television show where you have you have a limited amount of time 45 minutes with commercials or whatever you have to have this sort of condensed economical writing where meaning is boiled down to its essence and everybody gets three lines they better mean something I thought the writing on this was fantastic the voice acting and the writing were all fantastic because there's not that much of it and they make every single piece of it count and I think it helps that they put the words up the screen giving giving it a little more import than if you heard it you know, just ha- having the words appear in the context they appear, how they disappear. Uh, it was, uh, I was really impressed with it. There's no point where the writing seems heavy handed either, which is something that's like my main critique of like Life is Strange or Gone Home is that there's definitely points where it's like, OK, we get it. All right. We get where this story is headed and all that. It's really masterfully written. Um, I would be really like interested to know like the background of the person that ended up writing this game. Baby Driver does something very, very similar with the text on screen uh, in scenes where characters are signing to each other. It is incredible for accessibility as well, because the gameplay uh, relies on the words flying across the screen. There's no toggle that needs to break you out of the game, like Journey, where all of the uh, in-game icons or uh, you know chirps, things that happen on screen, you believe that they're meant to be there and they're not the developers putting something there. I feel the exact same way about Edith Finch, where all the text flying on screen makes sense narratively and does not feel like a uh, a technical necessity for the game. I like the whimsy almost of, I mean, so, okay. So this is a story about an unlucky family and everybody dies. And essentially what happens here is that Edith, uh, our protagonist, is 
uh, is basically walking through the house, going to each room of these uh, extended family members and learning their fate, more or less. And then each one is it is episodic. Uh, one of the things I like about it is that uh, the, the game really does try to uh, tell these stories in different ways. Some of them are... Um, more kind of ridiculous than others. Some of them are more complicated in terms of like game mechanics rather than storytelling. But it, it it's a wide range, which I really liked about it. That the 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 gameplay feels different. It's changing all the time every time you go into a story that's got a different narrator in it. But the whimsy in some of them, like uh, I didn't not knowing what to expect and thinking it was going to be like Gone Home. There and and <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to fire off the game spoiler horn right now if you haven't yes, played this game do. so that we can talk about some of the details but you should play it it doesn't take very long it's a couple of hours it's a good game i i enjoyed it i would argue that even though the plot is relatively thin and you know most of it from the very beginning uh the experience of playing through all of these mini games is more important spoiler wise yes. than knowing what happens so definitely play the game before you listen to the rest of this episode <laughs> And also, you don't learn the fate of all the people. You participate in the fate. You you bring about the fate of all the people, which is, again, the thing a game can do and a book and a television thing uh, can't. You, you, I mean, it depends on how gung-ho you are into these games. I always kind of ask that question, <laughs> in particular when we get to Gregory's thing later. How gung-ho are you to bring about the thing that by that point in the game, you know, you like, you know what has to happen? Do you feel dread in participating in the proceedings do you feel glee in it do you feel a sort of inevitable propulsion that you have no choice you're not enjoying it but you but your hands continue to do the motions and depending on how much of like how immersed you are in the culture of games where like your entire body is tuned to be a game playing and completing machine where you're like i understand what the game wants me to do and my body will do it even as the rest of my mind you know is repelled against it but anyway that that's later to begin with what i think you're trying to get at jason is you're like is this like gone home or am i a cat and then you turn into a cat that's exactly <laughs> it and you are chasing a bird and then you're an owl and you are killing and eating uh rabbits and then i think at the game perhaps at its most whimsical you turn into a shark and need to roll down a hillside into the water <laughs> the so best, that you can the eat best. Best a, music, uh, uh, use of the physics engine in the game ever. Yeah, you have a to, flop, you have to floppy keep shark. floppy shark down the hill, and then that last moment before it goes in the water, where it goes across a road and somebody honks their horn, is mm-hmm. just kill. I did that twice because my uh, I, had a, I had a crash on the game, and I had to replay that the cat part again. And and the second time through, it still killed me that there's somebody goes honk <laughs> as the shark goes across the road and into the water. Instead of jumping the shark, the shark jumps itself. What? <laughs> and, and that was my moment. I was like, "What is happening to this?" And that is to get to Truge's point about uh, about like the literary aspect of that. One of the things I really like is as you go along, you're like, oh, I see what's happening here. It's like these stories are, you know, not necessarily what actually happened, but like tall tales or or imaginary sort of like here's the thing that could have happened instead of a more mundane answer. And I, it's I like, like to- that. It's like Totoro. Yeah. Because like it's like exactly. the, the, imagina- the imagination of children that tells the truth that, that children either don't understand or don't want to face. And it's also, I think, a real like it, it lends a lot to what I really love is uh, magical realism in fiction. I've never thought to myself that like a game could be magical realistic. And then this game does it so perfectly in that like, 
it's the same thing that like it's the way that children would think about these like horrible deaths of their like siblings and family Mm -hmm. and also the thing that i notice now on the third playthrough is that it is there's lots of stuff sprinkled into the game that actually tells you how the characters really died and not the magical realistic like euphemistic way that they die and i think it's so incredible that like I think that's kind of what propels you forward to actually, like, do the deed and literally kill this entire family, because that's what you're (laughs) doing. Like, it allows you to do it because it's, like, kind of euphemistic in a way, in, like, a way that allows you to actually, like, pretend that you're enjoying yourself while you're doing it. Well, what you're doing is you're you're manifesting the the fantasy version, which is almost always kinder and gentler in some way than the mundane way that all these people actually died. You it, like I find myself wanting to bring about that reality, right? So the 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 girl who sent to bed without dinner and dies from eating poison berries, right? Cuz she's hungry. Uh the the fantasy version of that where she transforms into many things and then becomes the, the, the creature and then slithers back into her house and then is w- awaiting for herself because she knows that she and the monster both know that she would be delicious. Oh, such great writing. Such a great mm-hmm. scene. That is a more poetic end than my parents sent me to bed without dinner and I poisoned and died. And what works well about that is at what moment for for all of you did it click that this is what the game was going to be. Because for me, once she wrote in the journal a picture of Molly, after that very first story, I realized, oh, we're yeah. going to meet every single character. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but that, that's one of the most game-like things. But it is it is cute. And like, and the thing, the reason I think uh, I, I forgive that one gaminess of like you know percentage completion showing the pictures in the tree is because there's always because the writing's so good because there's some narration there, some some little coda to wrap up uh, each story that I think is just very well done and very fitting and moving and clever and so many of the stories end with such incredible dark humor like i'm I'm trying to i'm struggling to find things to compare it to i'm immediately reaching outside the game world because i don't think i've ever seen a game with writing and dark humor this this accomplished and sophisticated not like good not, not like good writing for a game but again i think of a good television show if you just shot this as a television series like a twin peaks or an amazing stories or something style like anthology uh weird whatever television show straight up with the same writing and everything you see on the screen it would be amazing and people would be going gaga for it i'm (laughs) i'm I'm so impressed by everything that this game has to offer in those areas i would argue that this is the most like wes anderson uh that was what stood out to me when i was playing this because (laughs) across with cthulhu maybe You have the it's house, the royal you have the Tenenbaums family. of video games. Everyone's written a book. The deaths of the royal Tenenbaums, one by one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's the caliber of writing that this game is. You're right, it's so economical. Every single piece of narration adds something. Every bit actor that plays one of the family members in a uh, in a cutscene or flashback or minigame means something. It's incredible how economical it is. Well, and on top of it, the writing is just so charming. And like, on top, like it, it lends itself to like the really dark humor of it. My favorite is when we're in Lewis's like houseboat thing that's somehow on top of the house, right? And um, he's uh, the main character is like, we used to play video games a lot. He was really bad at them. He died a lot, and this is right mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. he just died in the mini game, and it's. It's such a charming moment for such a gruesome thing to happen. When you think about, John, you talked about excusing the video gaminess of having a progress chart. I would argue that the video gaminess of uh, each minigame is what makes the emotional punches work. Because Oh, yeah, no, def- definitely. 
because that I don't feel that's video gamey. I feel that is that is the like I was doing is it pejoratively like oh this is something I've seen in other video games. I have not seen almost any other of the gameplay elements in this game in other video games. Exactly. But as gamers, we are programmed to get to the next level, get to the castle, save the princess, do all those things that we're expected to do in a video game. Except in this case, getting to the next level of the game kills somebody that we love, <laughs> and that is what makes it work the most to me. When you as the player are put in a position that you don't want to be in. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes you really, really uncomfortable to have to kill a character to advance the game. But that's what we're programmed to do as somebody holding a PlayStation controller. I I don't... I never thought of it as killing the people because it's a flashback. They're already dead and we're flashing back to what might have killed them. So I didn't feel that same kind of feeling i i i felt very much you know like what you was... did jason no <laughs> nope. and, and see the game holds out hope the game also doesn't like it it's like oh i'm gonna see all the death of all these characters right it's the game te- even teases you with that enough that i was willing to believe at various points that you know maybe this one lives because they have that narration point of like how many are left one maybe two so you don't know if mm-hmm. one of them is still potentially alive and you're like are they talking about you know calvin they think maybe he's still alive or did they find that body uh, the best mm-hmm. was Walter coming out of the basement. How, m- how much more time will we have? Who knows? A week, a month, even just one more day would be. And then, you know, the sun. Boom. I feel the sun on my face. Like such incredible gut punch, dark humor yeah. where you can't help but be sad, but also laugh. Like, I don't know if I laughed out loud on some of these, but at a certain point, I was in the mindset to be like that. The, the deer, the deer thing. I mean, I think I, I think I might have laughed out loud <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, just, that was a lot. And, and you don't know, like, that's why you think maybe Gregory, I didn't think it was going to make it, but like Walter, or maybe he's still around, you know, he's the right age, he's young, he could do it. And, and as I'm going out of the tunnel, I feel like I'm going to make it like I'm Walter. He's he's had a rough time of it. I understand where he's coming from because we did Barbara's story and everything before. Right. And we, but but he's going to make it out. Right. Look, at the, the, the tracks aren't all torn up. He can just walk right out of this. And nope, nope. And then you try to actually step off of the tracks and the game won't let you. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I was I was totally uh, on rail, so to speak. Like, that's that's the best one. <laughs> when I'm not, tr- I, like, I tend not to be this type of person anyway, but I wasn't trying to break the game. I'm not like, oh, what what if I go backwards game? What are you going to do then? Like, I'm totally caught up in it. I'm doing, like, I'm performing the game because it's the thing that I want to do and I want the performance to be as good as it can be. I've played this game with people who are those kinds of game breakers, John, where they try to turn around and figure things out. By about halfway through, they stop doing that because the emotional beats are too good and they don't want to ruin those anymore because they realize what they've done. Yeah. And like Journey, where the magic happens, I'm, I'm sure most of the playtesting of this game went into A, making sure emotional beats worked, and B, making sure that um, all of the timing worked out for all of these bits of narration and yeah, uh, yeah. little effects. Uh, and like Journey, after a few times, you can see the seams. You can break it if you want. And it's not so, as intentional as you would like, but it's still, oh man, I wish I could have gotten that beat a little bit sooner or a little bit later because the narration overlapped or something like that. But you can break this game if you you want and i never want to i i like i want to talk about the um inventiveness of the episodic mini games for a minute because there are some of them like yes flopping around in the shark was uh funny although what i really liked in that story was the uh, sea monster where you have to extend a tentacle and then press to pull your sea monster body forward as you i got so frustrated with that very control. frustrating they do a lot of fun things with the controller and like i i was looking at some uh, uh playthrough videos on youtube to remind myself of this because i actually played this game a while ago and the person who's doing this playthrough that i was watching 
was very slow on the uptake of figuring out even well into the game like this is the and i guess again this comes from experience this is the type of game that wants you to do unexpected things with the controller once you figure that out then you're open to it but if you never figure that out like just watching someone kick one leg on the swing for a long time it's like oh Come yeah on, put it put it together right put it together right. oh, oh i can swing go. both legs how about use that both use both sticks you'll need the skill later in the game like, like a good mario game this game builds on it gives you the easy ones in the beginning like i'm a cat right yeah working you up to lewis where you are doing fairly sophisticated things with both hands or one sophisticated things with at least one hand while doing a rote thing with another hand like you get a little two brothers minigame those are the it it did remind me of uh, the brothers um and those are the two I wanted to mention is the the fantasy sequence where he's cutting the heads off of fish and throwing them onto the assembly line. And you're doing that with basically like your right hand while your left hand is steering him through his fantasy world. I thought that was brilliant in that it was, you know, it wasn't challenging, but it was you did have to have some focus and uh and it was challenging enough to make me laugh at what it was making me do which was really great and then the one with the baby in the bathtub which Mm -hmm. i thought was Mm -hmm. so delightful and again you could say well it's very sad because inevitably the baby is going to die um although i thought but it's a fa- this is the fantastic vision of this so who knows what's going to happen but the actual play of it was so wonderful where you kind of realize that this baby can can make objects move with his mind basically and it creates this wonderful thing where you're bouncing a frog up into the air and the music the swan lake is playing and it's like a a hollywood musical that they had the the esther williams kind of like swimmers where they're flinging the little frog (laughs) up and he's bouncing off the whale and they're they're pulling all the i got all the letters off the side of the bathtub with the magnets uh, and it just is this increasingly delightful little experience and yes in the end and this is the story of how the baby died, uh, or, or I, as I like to think, the baby magically transformed into a drain. toy and escaped down the drain. Yes, yeah. exactly right. But uh, but the, the the actual gameplay is just so delightfully different. And then there's also the comic book where they, where it's yeah. the tales from the crypt kind of EC horror comic book thing where you're you're still actually moving through the house, but they they put that like solarized comic booky layer on top of it. Shaded, yeah, yeah. Very, that was, really uh, nice. was it beautiful? joe on the gamecube something like that it was very very beautifully done yeah so i like the diversity there you're still in the panels and the, 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 yeah, yeah. the narrator going through it it's you can see the hands as she turns the pages mm-hmm. you're you're in, you're into and out of the page as it goes on for, for the gregory one though that one is another another great you know, great choice to, because so you're into the you, you know where this is going you see gregory you know he's not there you know he died as a baby you're in the bathtub the mom is distracted like everyone knows where this is going right but eventually, the mom comes in, pulls the plug, and drains the water. I, at this point, I wasn't willing to believe, but I was like, "That's clever," because it's like, uh, actually, no, maybe things do turn out okay for Gregory. She look, she drained the water. We're fine, but like, but no, no. the, the text comes down surrounds and, yeah. the faucet exactly. and it makes and you like, turn it back like, on. That's right. I cried during Gone Home and a little bit during Life is Strange. I have never sobbed so intensely as Can't at the confirm. end of Gregory scene <laughs> can confirm have played this with brian three times he has sobbed every time <laughs> and it's a little bit like pan's labyrinth for me like and that there, there is there is a little bit of the joyfulness of that at least at least the the, the baby slash child 
has a triumphant escape into the world of imagination, even as the world of reality is, you know, comes to a, a tragic end, right? Because that's what that thing is about. Like the the the, the imagination of a child, that the, the characters in the bath are dancing around in a symphony. You don't see it, but the baby does, right? Uh, and, you know, spoilers for Pan's Labyrinth, but like, you know, that you can reframe what's happening so that as you as you drift off, as your life ends, uh, there is a certain triumph to it, escaping down the drain as the frog baby or whatever. Yeah, frog baby. That's totally what happened. <laughs> Even Barbara's story, same thing. Like, you know, I guess, you know, I guess what she always wanted was to be remembered. She finally gets to scream out the, the gags and that thing of her doing gasp and saying nothing. That, and all that like, made me <laughs> laugh so much because she's a famous child scream screamer in horror movies. And they're trying to get her to scream and she can't scream very well. And she's supposed to make an appearance. And then she is in a, basically in a horror movie. And the, at the two big jump scares, she goes like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that just made me laugh. That was great. And she gets the triumphant one at the end, and, and the Capper narration is, I guess, she just always wanted to be a remember, and that's yeah. why he kept kept this. Yeah, uh, like, that's kind of the thing that happens at the end of each of these mini games is that all of the characters actually do get what they wanted. Like uh, Molly, like got to eat like a bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> Calvin, Calvin got to fly. Sam got to uh, hunt with his daughter, yeah. which is what he wanted. He did. Yeah, and. and, and and this and this a lot of the stuff is like this is an unlucky family and this is a curse but like a lot of things in in real life to be honest like dysfunctional families and uh, like families that you know in real life that you hear things like this it, it's not like they're doing everything they can to be successful and are thwarted by bad luck there are a lot of bad choices in in the Finch family right mm-hmm. a lot of bad choices a lot of things that had they happened like there would be some serious changes afterwards, but this family just continues on like stiff upper lip, like, well, a lot of people die. Like there are accidents, tragic accidents. You're distracted. The baby's in the bathtub. Right. But just sort of the willingness to allow essentially madness to, to take its course, right? The whole house, the ceiling, the shot of the doors, the drilling peepholes, the building on top of building. Like if, you know, if an outsider came in and said, this is not a healthy way for a family to function. And really, it seems like it might be harmless, but really, it's like a symptom of a deeper, there are deeper problems here. This entire family, there are problems. And I know it's whimsical and I know it's a game, but I kept looking at it and thinking like, this poor narrator who's in this family, who is our, you know, proxy, like we feel like she's the only normal one or whatever, or she's, she's giving us sort of the outsider's perspective. But so many things go wrong in this family. And that really oh, makes yeah. me feel like, I, you know, we could have helped, we could have helped these people because they're people who have problems, have trauma that wrecks the rest of their lives, like Walter, like explicable things that there's treatment for, but like, Hiding Walter in the basement is not the best solution to the trauma he's been through. Right? Enabled not, by Edie too, not, who brought yeah, him packages of food. Yeah, she keeps him down there, brings stuff to him, and you know, sealing up. The, if some a kid dies, and if the mother sealed shut all the bedrooms in the house, someone friend would be like, perhaps not the best day to deal with the death of a child. Like, what else is going on? It turns out there's a lot of weird stuff going on. It's not not healthy at all. Well, that was one of my main critiques of this game. And like, it's such a small thing. But one thing that I thought when I first started playing the game the first time is that like this setup of all of the rooms and they haven't been cleared out, like is very convenient. Mm. Um, I still accepted it. But then like 
really getting to the root of what that means, like metaphorically, like not actually cleaning out the rooms of any of the family members and not dealing with any of that trauma for any of them. And the trauma of losing them is actually a really big characterizing element for this family. Well, don't forget too, too, we see the um, I'd say almost fetishizing of the deaths like, and maybe that's because there's so much death you have. There's something you have to do, but like we see the fact that in every place there is that wood slice with the painting of the person that she's made for their memorial and in fact if you go into the workshop you can see other kind of like slices from the circular saw uh that are waiting for the next painting basically um and and so you can see that this is her way of dealing with it but it's also kind of uh Super creepy and, and, and weird. And, and since you mentioned that, I'm going to say, as much as I liked this, there were several points where I, I, I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Um, the fact that supposedly this house has been left there all this time and it's closed up, but, you know, there's lighting when there needs to be. There's no dust. There's dust floating in the air, but nothing is dusty. The, the house that has lots of wood on it that got put in the water a hundred years before <laughs> is is still completely intact, which is also impossible. Very um, cold Pacific Northwest water preserves. It's like the Titanic. A lot of the, those things. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this because I'm gonna say there's poetic license. But it's like it, this is an immaculately clean house with rooms that have been turned into a museum and locked off for decades, which is kind of ridiculous but i I went with it also i mean the other thing you have to go with is you were totally on rails the entire time i felt so it it it, i i never felt like um there was any moment i guess there was one moment where i thought i was free to explore where it really wanted to usher me forward and it was in the room that's the two boys rooms and you don't have to look at the other boy the boy who uh, ends up going off to vietnam i think um you don't have to look at his stuff uh you can just go on through the next secret passage because every secret passage leads you where you need to be next and it, you're very much meant to do it in sequence it, you, you need to follow the words follow the narration go to your destination um and it just, you know, I, I, I definitely felt that at times and I had to completely suspend my disbelief for the fact that like it, it would not work like this. There would not be light when you need it and not and, and everything is immaculate and clean and all of that uh, based on the premise, which is that nobody's been in the house for years. Well, going back to that premise, the that's why all these games are set in the 80s and 90s, right? Gone Home is set in the 90s so that you can have uh, Polaroids and journals and letters and answering machines to listen to. Uh, Firewatch is set in the 80s, so you have the really cool uh, walkie-talkie. And this game is set over the course of an entire century, so there, there can be photographs and letters and journals so that you can explore them. And in the case of There's Tacoma... There's a cool video game console and an 80s computer at various points in it, though. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, and, and in, in Tacoma, they did something similar where they invented an entirely new system for uh, for the distant future. But that's why these games are built this way, so that we can explore them. And from the get-go, because I played all these games uh, in this genre, I, I suspended that disbelief right up and thought, okay, this is just how I'm going to explore it, even if it is, you know, many, many years old and been abandoned without any dust. Yeah, and I think part of it is that because you will be living these various people's, uh, you know, ends, right? Each thing that you're living is set, you know, in the present of the time that that it's happening. So you get to see that as it existed then. Uh, Jason's right that the realistic depiction of this house now would be much more grim and dark. But the reason I give it a complete pass, aside from the fact this entire game is 
completely bonkers and you know magical realism like i don't give almost anything a pass in that because that's the premise this is not an ultra realistic game right yeah. half of it is slights of fancy <laughs> yep. but but mostly because this house is beautiful like every room in it every scene i kept finding myself thinking well uh this family has big problems but this room is cool like you know, who who wouldn't want these rooms? I've always wanted a house with secret passages or secret rooms, and I, I th- this was just like oh my god, this is so amazing. The pink bathroom I really loved, and that was actually the the be the pinnacle of the most ridiculous. Like this would not look like this. Yeah. It's it's like luminously beautiful and the, and the pink. last trace of whoever it was, but it was a hell of a trace. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's like there's no way that that would look anything like that, but it was beautiful. And so yeah, you just kind of have to go with with it as ridiculous as it is because and, it was beautiful. And, and they did they did a good job like it's it's a limited uh, it, it, there's a limited set you're not wandering all over the country right it's very small it's the house the grounds and a, a couple of ancillary things right but they did a really good job of immaculately modeling everything in this house it's you can't interact with as much as you could in gone home and lots of other games which is kind of a blessing because i picked up every freaking object and gone home yeah just kind of, <laughs> you know right but but it just I, you could just spend time walking around this place and it it's so clear that they spent so much time thinking of where would these things be arranged. Like, no one ever just said, uh, bookshelf books, throw it on there. Like, everything. The things that are on the kitchen table, on the counters, mm-hmm. the ceilings, the walls, the floors, the grounds. It it is it's like a it's like a a movie set where uh, but unlike a movie set it's like a movie set where you can put the camera anywhere so there's no like crew and a bunch of union people smoking off to the side and like a bunch of people holding up shiny pieces of cardboard right everywhere you look is is like immaculate ready to be shot with your camera i will say one thing which is um they need thousands of books have been published they need more <laughs> yeah, well, spine copy more spine copy because i saw the same book like 50 yeah. times on, in the, yeah. and this 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 house is full of bookshelves the, the part that made me laugh was that when you're in the bunker the survivalist bunker beneath the house and you open up the uh the ladder to the sub basement there are books there which is funny because <laughs> there are books everywhere but i saw the same same 20 book titles or 30 book titles uh everywhere i went and i just thought come on guys there's lots of books just uh, but that's this texture memory jason like that literally <sighs> is, i'm not being making a joke texture memory is the reason of that if they could do unique textures like an id tech 5 uh id tech 5 i would say id uh, like they can't they have to reuse the textures because they don't have the memory to do unique books for me i want they can't use unique textures i want unique books this is this is I, I know, game well, that's, why you keep, that's why you keep paying for next generation consoles because they'll have more memory and they'll be able to do that <laughs> as a person person who works in publishing i can confirm that there are actually only 20 books it's just not i mean how many copies of oryx and craig does somebody need i love the market atwood reference yeah, but I mean, come and, on and, and to be clear we have the tech but like there are game engines that you let you do unique texture but games like this tend to be made with like unity i think this actually is made with unity yeah. or they're sort of off-the-shelf engines and if you're if you're going to be on multi-platform and you're going to use an off-the-shelf engine that doesn't do unique texturing or texture streaming or anything fancy like that you just can't have unique spines. And you have to decide how much texture memory I'm going to spend on book spines versus how much am I going to spend on the skybox uh, or on the, on the wood texture or whatever. That they, I'm sure they used every ounce of texture memory they have available to them on the lowest uh, end platform they can have. But but yeah, no, that's just a technical limitation. And you're right. It would be better. It, think of how much they would have loved it because this game would have loved to have specific books you know that you could take off the shelf for every scene, but they had there to reuse. There are definitely books... They, there was some attempt to make the books that appear in different rooms more 
relevant, but there was still a lot of reuse of books. But they did. There were a few moments where I thought, okay, this these are the books that we would expect in to find in this room. But still, they were they were really they were really limited. If you've ever seen Extreme Makeover Home Edition and a kid says, oh, I kind of like, uh, you know, rock and roll music. And so they spend the entire week building them a very rock and roll oriented room that they may grow out of in two years. That's how the design of a house made me feel in terms of, OK, each character has one single trait that they really exploded out into their room. There's the train kid, the space kid, the army kid, the rebel, the, all these different things that they really emphasize a single trait of everyone and turn them into a room and that was the one other thing that made me i I needed to i needed to suspend my disbelief for that because who in their right mind would design a house like that for children that you know would probably grow out of these things in two or three years if they (laughs) They had died before they grew out of it (laughs) yeah it's it's a cursed family where they all die so i think that's the family but it's 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 you know economical condensed story like you don't have i don't have time to give you all the nuances of this child i need you to know army guy space guy Right, and, well, and, and enough, also there, there are so many characters. There, there are, are so yeah, yeah. many of them. But but it is, it's more subtle than that, though. Like if you do look in each, yes, there is a space theme, but there's other stuff mixed in. And and really, I think the main rooms of the house, like I think it could be right out of Architectural Digest. There's beautiful views of the water and these tall windows and sort of just this rambling house. It's not like a hoarder's house filled with stuff, but it is filled with stuff that's just neatly arranged and cared for yeah and especially as you get him that even like lewis's room with his like panoramic view of the water behind his big crts like every everything in this house just i i wanted to live in this house but not die <laughs> uh okay let's talk about the end uh one of the things that happens near the ending is we learn that our protagonist edith is 22 weeks pregnant while she's doing all of this which also leads to the reveal that the person we saw with the uh the the rap on the right arm at the very beginning when he's reading as it turns out he is reading the the uh the journal of edith um that is her son that she dies presumably in childbirth and he is now going having read her journal back to the family home and to, to the graveyard and I was I was uh, curious what y'all thought about that uh, that ending. I mean, it's telegraphed from scene one, um, but uh, what do you think of the way this ends? They do a good job before we before we talk about the actual ending. Like the they do a good job of leading up to that. So if you if you carefully watch, you can tell she's pregnant before they tell you. But if you're just playing the game and caught up in it, when they reveal the fact that she's pregnant is when you are balancing on a creaky board over like <laughs> getting to jump onto the roof. So I thought that was beautifully done. And the same thing, all all the reveals of like uh, this is Edith. Uh, the person on the ferry was not Edith. Uh, like. You can figure it out beforehand, but I have to confess in the first playthrough, I did not figure out almost any of this, and I got the reveals exactly when they wanted me to get them. So I'm going to say the lead up to it and how it was, how it unfolded uh, carries a lot of weight with me, and I enjoyed that part of it. I agree. Uh, there was one point where I looked down and noticed a baby bump, but didn't want to assume she was pregnant. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you don't, you don't too. want to be rude. <laughs> me too. I had the same thought, which is, look, I, I don't know, looking down, and this is a, a, a woman, right? So I was like, I don't know what it's supposed to look like down there. It seems like <laughs> she's got an extra thing, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I When I look down, it's a it's boy down there, not girl. So I'm like, all right, I'll just go with it. And then she says she's pregnant. I'm like, aha! I'm glad I didn't say anything. I'm glad I didn't say anything because it would have offended her. My only criticism with the ending is I wish there was a little bit more for 
Edie and Dawn's deaths, which were kind of, and then they died. And then they died. And they spend the entire rest of the yeah. game really building up their characters. But given yeah. how much time and energy was given to, say, Gregory or Lewis's mini games, I wish there was something more for Edie and uh, then, uh, oh, and then she died the next day. And then my mom well, died in the well, hospital. But they were separated. So, like, that was that was the breaking of the family unit. So she doesn't get to see Edie die because Edie's off in the nursing home and they're away from her. Like, they don't go back and visit, it seems like. And then the mom, you get the hand with the hospital wrist thing on and they do abbreviate that it's it's well done for what it is but she dies from illness presumably because she left the, the home <laughs> for each of the mini games and all the narration that happens like with lewis it's the note that his psychiatrist had written and for molly it was like the journal entry that she had done so neither of those kind of existed for uh either the mom or the great-grandmother mm, that, yeah. that, that oh, makes there, sense there, there are shorter ones like uh, uh milton uh are i don't know did anyone else here play the unfinished swan I have not, no, mm-hmm. but that's the, the game's first developer, right? Developer's yeah, first yeah. game, so, right? Uh, I don't know if it's their very first, but it's the first one that I played from. But Unfinished One, uh, the, just briefly, the, the premise of that game is you start off in a completely white world and you shoot uh, ink blobs and they hit things. It's a th- first-person 3D game, and as the ink blob hits surfaces, they reveal, you know, the surface, you know, it becomes not a white void, and now you can see, like, there's a corner of something. It progresses from there. But that's the premise of that game, and it was very clever gameplay. Like, it's good, like, you know, here's here's the gimmick for this game. You're in a completely featureless white world, and you have to shoot ink at things to reveal where things are. Very clever premise, very well done, builds to something. Milton connects directly to it, and his story is a flipbook. Like yes. that, and it's one of one of the shortest stories. It's not as if you have to elicit, you know, it's not a psychiatrist doing a thing and they think, you know, you can flip through the flipbook and it only I think it has probably would have less impact had I not played Unfinished Swan because that Milton links directly into the Unfinished Oh interesting. Swan. I uh, yeah, I should play it. It's available on uh PlayStation four, Xbox One, and uh Windows. I played it in boot camp. But uh, if you have a console or a PC, you can play it. So you should play it. It's really something special. I think it's one of the greatest games to show non-gamers in terms of this is what a video game can do emotionally, while also still being the quote-unquote walking simulator that I think mainstream (laughs) gamers would enjoy more because there is some gamey aspects to it, like catching the the seals and the rabbits and having to do the two-handed Lewis minigame, things like that that can keep people that may be belittle walking simulators interested. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, that like, uh, for instance, like people at my office or like people that work in literary journals and my industry it makes me be like this is the game that i would tell them to play first to like have an introduction to what this genre can do i'm always worried about things like this because i'm always worried that the like skill barrier to enjoying games is taller than i think it is and in some respects i see this as a game perfect for grizzled gamers because finally you'll be doing something different with that controller and i have confidence that grizzled gamers will be in sync with the creators to sort of successfully perform the game and get the most out of it but on the other hand uh, like you both said for non-gamers who are never to be able to figure out the controls of like a quote-unquote proper game of you know like uh, you know like horizon zero dawn or an uncharted game just too sophisticated in terms of like you need to know the entire history of video gaming to play this game this is so different than everything else that if they can get the hang of it and don't spend their time pointing at the ceiling and not understanding where anything is and destroying the game as you sit there and cringe right if they can get the hang of it they don't have any hang-ups. They don't have any preconceived notions of how games are supposed to work. So they'll probably figure out the two-legged pumping on the swing before a quote-unquote real gamer would. And it's wonderful to see them do that. And I, like, and because all oh, this walking simulator, these silly games like this, you know, they'll they're fine on any platform. The graphics are crap. 
this game I think looks amazing. And if I could if I could magically say like, oh, I'm going to get you to play this game, I would have them play it on like the most powerful system they could because I mm-hmm. think this game looks really looks much better on, on you know like uh, on a platform that can show the textures and keep the frame rate up uh the highest because it is not like gone home looked okay kind of muddy kind of textures but very straightforward and simple again i think this game it's not it's not uncharted for right but for what it is it is beautiful and you know there, there is no part of this game that, that does not work for me the only thing the only criticism i could possibly have for it is like if you don't like that type of game well this is that type of game like and it is very specifically a type of game if you want an open world game this is not it but i love this type of game i'm willing to go with it i'm willing to accept it for what it is and boy the execution is amazing i hope this game wins all the awards this game strikes the same balance i feel that journey does in that it has something for both old and new gamers in that journey simple enough you can play with uh, a joystick and a button and new and Old gamers are going to find so much more in there to you know sink their teeth into. And same with Edith Finch. You can play it straight as a story game, or you can really piece together you know the fact that at one point Lewis's uh, king goes down a flagpole and raises an L flag. And you think, oh, hey, Mario. Clever. And yeah. it's yeah. really wonderful. <laughs> that made me laugh. All right. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about Tacoma, the, uh, the follow-up to Gone Home set not in... The Pacific Northwest, although Tacoma is the name of a city in the Pacific North- Northwest, but this had to throw that in is a space station in the future, and it is uh, a walking around in a an environment with no other people in it, basically, sort of. Uh, kind of game where you are doing kind of forensic analysis. Your character is figuring out what it has gone on at the space station under the premise of kind of downloading all of the data out of the computers. You've been sent there to do that in a device that looks like a book, but is actually some sort of a data download thingy. And uh, the really clever thing about Tacoma and the thing that I liked about it the most by far is its premise, which is that everything that happens in the space station is is uh is logged and everybody is sort of uh a a a motion capture map and audio uh that is recorded over time and that as the person who's sort of like trying to figure out what went wrong at this station you have to as you enter environments you are given a, a span of time uh, that you can play back, wind forward and back, not at all like Life is Strange. It's a very different kind of mechanic. But <laughs> you, you, you have these people in a 3D environment, and there are lots of people, um, and they're moving around, and you've got a four-minute window where different groups are doing different things in different places, and you keep winding it forward and back and making sure that you have seen everything there is to see in, uh, in the log uh, and, and as you do that, and as you look at their emails and other and other kind of information that you glean as you move through the station, you learn the story of who these people are, um, what their interpersonal relationships are, and you start to get a sense for what has happened to have this station be abandoned and in need of having data reclamation, and uh, and and that's Tacoma, and that the definitely the. AR reconstruction back and forth element is the thing that I will walk away from this uh, this game 
remembering and liking because I really thought that that was very clever. The idea that you have to move around in a scene, you're kind of unmoored from time. Different people are in different rooms having different interrelated conversations and and crossing back and forth and you need to follow them in order to get all the pieces of information about what's going on during a certain two or five minute or there's a hilarious one toward the end where there's a 20 minute block and you're thinking, geez, what's going to happen here? And after a minute, <laughs> it, it skips to like the, the last minute of it and the rest of it is has been uh has been corrupted and so you can't get that and i was like well thank goodness because i don't want to go back and forth through 20 minutes of this uh but anyway th- so that was that was my take on it i know uh brian and shrewd you you didn't play it you you or played a little of it and, and saw some gameplay videos and john i know uh you said you played it so uh what did you think of tacoma so we know uh when i think about this game as a follow-up to gone home uh, Gone Home was so brilliant in how it managed its resources. We know that Fulbright can do environments, writing, and characters. Uh, there's no humanoids in Gone Home at all. It's entirely environment and narration. And when I think about the technical limitations for Tacoma, they, they did something very similar. They got characters, writing, and environments down pat. But the AR uh, kind of uh, wireframes that they do is a wonderful, wonderful way to kind of hide the limitations of the fact they can't really do that kind of experience stream uh, rendering on uh, on that platform. I'm assuming that's a technical limitation. They, they're not going to do six, you know, full on, fully realized character they designs. They the lips. Forget it. The yeah. facial animation alone would bankrupt them. <laughs> While still showing uh, in each of their desktops their ID, you can see pictures of them, and it's one of the most diverse games I've ever played as well. I thought that was absolutely incredible. They had such a uh, diverse cast uh, it, it of characters. It is the future, after all, this. we should hope, right? Yeah, they're from all exactly. over the earth. <laughs> we can all it's like Star Trek Next Generation. They don't have money either. Oh, they do have money in this game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But no, I really enjoyed running around and trying to get all the bits of information. Again, people that say that walking simulators aren't games, I dare you to play this game without trying to collect every single little story detail. It's not coins, it's not stars, but it's story details. But, and, and and I mean, you say it's not a game, I, or you say it is a game. I, I thought, on one level, I can see how somebody could say this is not a game, because part large portions of this are... It, you know, it's more like an interactive movie where this scene is staged. It, it, it's like theater that's going on in four different stages simultaneously, and you can move among the stages, um, and then you can wind it back and forward, which makes it really interesting. So I had those moments where I thought, this part of the game isn't quite a game so much as it is this you know, interactive, hyperlinked, you know, narrative, but uh, I still got to control it and figure it out. And there is still another aspect, which is looking at their emails and things like that. But I like that fact that it's not, um, it it gives you this other feeling of like winding the movie backward and forward and changing your perspective and hearing different conversations that I really liked. Yeah, my takeaway also from it was very much like, a theater. I, I also felt that way about it. That like I think even like the rewinding of it, maybe just like having a theater background as well, like thinking about like going forwards and backwards in rehearsals. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I this game I, I can't wait to like even though I've only seen like some walkthroughs, I can't wait to like consume every little ounce of this universe and every little bit of data that they give us. Hey, Fulbright, make it for PS4, please. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I think what Jason said about the premise, like it's it's clear that they had some good ideas about uh, 
about a premise like of the future what what if you just extrapolate forward from today's ar technologies and assume they're ubiquitous and put it in space and so on and so forth what could you do with this tech you could record everything everybody does you could record enough enough rudimentary information with cheap reasonable sensors what implications does that have for the workplace for people's lives like there's lots of good ideas like if they're brainstorming like we're going to do a game in the future what would the future be like and how can we make gameplay elements out of that that all works uh, really well, I think, and that is that is a clever uh, thing to do. The the thing where you are coming into this environment and replaying and having stories cross with each other makes this game feel very voyeuristic in a way that Gone Home and uh, Edith Finch don't, because you kind of feel like you're snooping, like because you do seek out, like let me see, you know, this person sneaks into this place and smokes and talks to themselves, and what conversation do they have? And boy, this person is different talking in private with this person than they are when they were in the group, aren't they? And um, going through their drawers. Well, at one point, you were you were actually warned by your employer, their contractor, you know, whoever you are, the whoever's running the contract, who says, you know, don't. It's like don't look at personal information, and all of it has to be deleted. It's like that, yeah. so they like hang a lantern on it. Like you're you're you are going through all of their but, stuff. But, but you know, but you know, everyone's going to do it. Like that's the whole thing. It's like that, yes, you're going to be told not to, but if it's available, a la you know, Facebook having access to everyone's data, humans will be humans, right? There, it's like in are. Gone Home where uh, they say T- turn all the lights off. You're just as bad as your sister, where you have to leave all the lights on in the house to play the game. There's a great moment uh, in. Tacoma where you uh, go into one person's quarters and they're playing a they're playing a video game essentially and you they're like shooting something and you can see them standing there but it's all in the AR so you don't see the game you're just sort of like seeing the scores and you're seeing them playing and if you just look at the room and it's like a 10 second clip and you can see that they're playing an opponent and the opponent has has a score and he's trying to match the score if you walk in see him playing and leave you may miss the fact that one of the other characters is right behind you in the corner, leaning against a wall, watching him play. That she went first, and now he's going. And it was a great moment where I was like, ooh, look at you. You're here, too. And and it was just, it wasn't even important, but it was fun. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I am, but John, you're right. I am in the, these people who don't have any idea who I am, because I'm just looking at the logs later. I'm in the middle of their personal interactions. And we do learn, like, there are characters who say one thing, like, yeah, 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 I'm all on board. And then they go off into another room and say, I am totally not on board. And uh, all of that is kind of fascinating, too. And they might be dead. Like, a lot of the times you're like, is ever, did everyone die here? Did something terrible happen? Because you're in that mindset, One right? of the wonderful um, conceits in Tacoma is that you are there after this has all happened. And it'll say, I'm playing this back from two days ago or two weeks ago or two, two months ago. Um, but the physical environment you're seeing outside of the little 3D kind of wireframe AR construct people, the physical environment you're seeing is now, which allows them to do some very clever storytelling things like when they are trying to fix a probe at one point and you're there and the probe's still there and you're like oh that this yeah, didn't, didn't go didn't well go because well. because you you are seeing the results so if you see something that's broken and falling apart and somebody is supposedly working on it you're like well I know how this ends. The story ends, and so they use that. That's a very clever little bit uh, where where you have seen the result in the physical world, but now you're watching the characters kind of go to the result. 
Very interesting. So I don't know if we fired the spoiler horn for this. Uh, yeah, for let's Tacoma let's yet, although we let's, feel like- let's do it. Let's let's. I mean, yeah, we'll do it before we get all the spoilers out there. And before we do that, I will say this is available for Xbox One and also Mac, Windows, and Linux. But you got to have a fast enough computer to run it. Surprisingly demanding. I'm not quite sure why. But so now, now the spoiler horn's been fired. Let me uh, describe some of the ways this game i think uh let me down or didn't didn't fulfill its potential for me um the first is that there are a lot of characters in this game and i'm not sure the amount of the content in the game is enough to do justice to all the characters which is not to say that that, like every character had was you know had interesting things and all sorts of nuances about them and they all had their scenes and their times and their personalities and you totally got to know them and everything like that but for a shortish game, it's a lot of characters. Like, if, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I start to think, could you cut some of these? If it was only three people, could you e- even more in depth do like a three or four way relationship and have it be more fraught? Because there are, if you draw the network diagram of the people, they're all more or less connected, but there are there are islands and cliques, and there are some loners floating around, right? And so I wonder if that couldn't have been tightened up. And the second thing is more fundamental. Well, about let this me game. let me before you, before you go on. Let me All let right. me uh, follow on that. I think you're right. Um, I found myself as much as I like this game. I found myself thinking they they either should have gotten some of the characters off the stage sooner, um, or the the game should have been longer. Like if you look at the individual scenes, essentially that these characters have, they're a lot of them have very little time. In fact, most of them have very little time to tell their little stories. And I felt like had there been more stories or fewer people or some combination thereof, it would have been stronger. Like it happen, it all happens very quickly in it, not in terms. I mean, the gameplay is actually pretty quick too, but in terms of the, the scenes we get with them in those little fragments that we get, they're not very long and they, there's a lot of richness in there, but it does feel a little bit like, not quite enough um and and whether that is there should have been fewer characters or whether they there actually should have been more story uh and made it a little bit more complex uh a narrative uh where they had a little bit more of a through line i do agree i like what's there but it did feel a little bit scant and i'm not saying oh this game is too short i'm saying what you're saying which is um i felt like the characters didn't get as much uh service as they probably deserve and it's hard not to think of gone home where you go so in depth on one character right right like that you just have so much time to get to know them and everything can unfold this one you have to do a little bit of digging through people's emails and sock drawers to get the ancillary materials that isn't present in audio form um and it, it undercuts a lot of the more powerful things that they just they just don't have enough time to, to he, there's a turn with odin the ai character who's played by the way i i one of the rare cases where i identified a voice in a video game it's it's carl lumley uh who is great and he is great as the voice of the ai in this i think he does a really good job they definitely try to make some kind of uh 2001 and hal kind of things they and you they want you to not be sure if he's murderous or not <laughs> which is pretty cool there is a plot turn that happens with him that I, I i had a moment of like oh well that's interesting and i felt like again was it really built up to or is that just my sci-fi expectations and i felt like a little more time for the ai character would have also been been good but it was it's very well performed like all of the voices in this i thought were very well performed so the more fundamental problem i have with this game uh goes to the eventual you know resolution of the plot you are here as a contractor 
you're not technically there to figure out what happened. You're doing that because you're a curious human, and that's what the game seems to want you to do, but you're supposed to recover, be recovering yeah. this AI. The game wants you to be and, curious. Your bosses do not want you to be curious. <laughs> right, and what they want to happen is... For you, it, it, you are actually secretly a member of the AI Liberation Front, and the AIs have been mistreated, and they're not given rights, and you know, generally kept in captivity and and treated poorly by the corporate world and they're trying to get rid of the humans and have the ais take over the ais themselves are slaves and so that's the big reveal event that you that you are actually a, a double ancient and you have uh rescued this ai and the thing is this whole story i cared about the people that were on the thing I did not identify, I didn't, the plight of the AIs was not foremost in my mind. I was not made to care about them all that particularly much. I did not feel triumphant rescuing the AI. It was like, I care about the people and the story, and that would have been sufficient. I don't care about the AIs, and they didn't, they they were barely a factor except for as a flavor element. Yeah, the AI thread is there, um, and I would say it probably gets covered about as well as the other character threads do in the which is not enough right and and i felt like you could have either made the ai you know more present uh or you could or have make, made make me care about or it. or you could have i i would actually argue you could make me care more about the ai by seeing the ai care care more about the people like that would be one way through to the ai is just seeing how the ai is really actually kind of great and takes care of them and and uh and you makes makes you realize that they're being mistreated but it's all super light touch uh and and it's and it's it's too light there are a few moments there's a moment where one of the characters asks if if odin has ever met another ai and odin has to explain that ais are not allowed to meet other ais and uh and they ask if that makes odin lonely i also had a moment where before i realized it was carl lumley i was like is uh, is this um, a riff on the original um, Destiny, uh, be- right, with Peter Dinklage? Because it sort of sounds like Peter Dinklage at the beginning, and it's got the little floating thing, and I was like, it, did this wizard go halfway to the moon? Is that what happened here? But then uh, I got over it. But yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, it, it's it's a moment where you're like, oh, so this was about the AI all along, I guess, but you know, we were more worried about the the couples that were going to be separated and the person who had genetic flaws and was going to die if she was put in cryosleep. Yeah, and, and, and what it's like to live in this world, paying back your tuition because they paid for you to go and you have to stay with the same company that paid for your tuition and this sort of you know right. Like- and the guy who got who who uh, and then several characters were kind of misfits where like one of them they they say well we'll give you a better posting if you'll just admit guilt in this other thing mm-hmm, and we won't hold mm-hmm. it against you and she's like no <laughs> I'm not guilty i'm not going to admit guilt and then there's the guy who like really wants to go back and work for carnival cruise lines <laughs> and they're like yeah, you can yeah. never work for us again uh and uh, so he's kind of desperate too and instead in the end it's like oh you stole an ai congratulations and they and they all went to jupiter the end which is like again that last scene where they get rescued is 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 great but it all is so abrupt um and I, I want I mean, that's what I say that's good about this game is that I wanted more. I wish that they had had more room to give these characters more space. It's interesting how interesting uh, space bureaucracy is as they're going through these kinds of conversations, too. Well, because it doesn't read as uh, like good sci fi. You stop reading it as space bureaucracy. Like this is this is commentary on today because that's what everything in it is, you know, and it's you know it's not you know idiocracy in every uh, or demolition man or every restaurant is taco bell but it's close it's got that aspect to it where it makes you 
reflect on like how far actually are we from that and how and how normal the characters in this world accept their predicaments right because they're 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 alien to us because they seem absurd but they're familiar like in, in the shape of things it's like the more more things change the more they stay the same like in that way it's kind of depressing and i felt for everyone working in this world trying to like everyone seemed not dissatisfied but like not, not fully actualized like they were all yearning for something that seemed like they were never going to get none of them were appreciated as much as they should have been by their coworkers, by the world that they're working in it was kind of depressing in that way well they're all human right yeah i know but <laughs> except like, for odin yeah, I, I, there was I didn't, I didn't think i didn't feel like there was much of any uh catharsis in it and um, i don't know like this this left me with a surprisingly unlike the game where everybody died and you play act their deaths that one surprised and delighted me and this one <laughs> this game this game made Rave me feel John Syracuse. Like, <laughs> pessimistic pessimistic about humanity um and then on a technical level we already talked about like the, the cost saving things which i'm fine with that like it's good you know stylized things save your money right but the money that they saved like gone, again gone home wasn't super graphically impressive but i felt like gone home the environments were more evocative and i don't know if it's the design of this i maybe it's just because i played edith finch before this but like but edith finch stomps all over this in every aspect of does just before you even get into like the models and the textures just like the design decisions like you know who sketched out these things what colors things were going to be where to spend your polygons and textures es finch looks so good and tacoma looks mm, okay sometimes a little like i don't feel like the environments brought much to it i felt like i was walking around a series of textured corridors instead of being in a space station which is unfair because gone home is like you're just walking around a creepy house so what right but and there there, there are things i really like the set where they've got the where they're going to do the um the celebration where the ai has has ta- given them like the recipe to for cake and the things cake, like yeah. that and they're like we're the one that has to eat it yeah yeah, yeah. you just make it we have to eat it uh i, I like that, that they have the kitchen and the dining room and then they've got kind of like a little play- living room with a like a pool table and all of that i thought that was a really interesting set and i think that the windows were really great where you've got the sort of the physics of the rotating sections of the spaceship and you can open and close the windows and some of them are open and some of them are closed but you can open and close all of them i thought some of those aspects were really nice but you're right you do get to those you take the take the ride down to a, a section and there's you know a corridor that slopes up and a corridor that slopes down and i felt like i'm basically playing marathon at that point <laughs> yeah and they, they were bored like just uh, just to come no this isn't fair but like think of the uh, in your memory now what sets can you picture from star trek discovery that's how you design sets they're not that they're iconic but they're they are distinct inventive like just especially in a sci-fi setting or even just like the, the silly movie you didn't see the silly movie passengers with uh jennifer lawrence and some lunkhead like no i didn't see it <laughs> i see the trailer i know what you mean but there's it's like their their bedroom and the, and the different sets like you can do so many interesting things with a sci-fi setting and this is just like like a series of of rooms with windows that happen to be blacked out with little pin pricks of light in them and like you know i I don't know. Like, it's clear they spent most of their money on voice acting and writing, which is probably the right choice here. But I felt like Gone Home had a more, uh, si- more successfully pulled off the environment it was doing, which is obviously a less ambitious environment and more yeah. familiar. But I felt like I was in a house. I I liked it a lot. I just I I I do, and I think it looked 
good. Um, I think they did a good job of realizing the space station. Um, I think it's space station is a well-trod bit of territory in, uh, whereas a super weird house in the Pacific Northwest is, uh, yeah, it's a different, uh, different tack that you're trying to take with that. Um, but, uh, you know, and I really like the inventiveness of the gameplay, but, uh, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like you've, you, I want to see more games that do this actually, because I really like the idea of kind of following these people around and rewinding and going forward because it is that theatrical kind of feel except it's doing something that other another medium can't do but if it's going to be theater um i need there to be a little more of it than than there was um i also wanted to mention an unfortunate thing about the plot of tacoma which is it's also the plot of uh a, an episode of doctor who from this year called oxygen which is oh, also no. also yeah, about yeah. people on a space station who basically have had their oxygen shut off because it's not as profitable to have them continue there until it's repaired as it is to turn off the oxygen and let them die which is exactly the plot of Tacoma more or less and I felt really bad because obviously Tacoma has been in production for years and then as I'm playing it I'm like oh yeah that there was a Doctor Who episode that yeah, was the same that's, that's a pretty big scientific trope like all, it, all these it things is, I feel like but are, it's like it was this are, year are, <laughs> it's like alright here we are it's, that's the plot of Alien too and, and it is you know corporate control and, and treating treating people as, as expendable and all that is a is a classic moment but it was just one of those things of like yeah in the same year every, we're, we're going back to this and it, it, it's good it's a, it's a great commentary they make on uh, that both of those episodes make on uh corporate uh quest for profits va- not valuing human life it's a let's make that point more i'm all for that but um it's just unfortunate uh, it's nobody's fault it just is unfortunate that i was like oh yeah i just saw this uh oh well the execution matters though like i measure all these things on uh sort of like the Wayland yutani scale like how <laughs> much do you make me hate the corporation that i'm supposed to hate and Wayland yutani does not feature it's not like a it's not like they get a lot of screen time or you got paul riser and aliens right fine but but like there's not the presence isn't there in terms of lines of dialogue and discussion and plot. It's it's emergent from the situation. And if you can make the viewer or the player really, really care about the crew of whatever the, the ship was called in, uh, was it Nostromo? Or Nostromo. Was it Nostromo. In the for an alien, right? If you can make them care about that, the, the callous, uncaring nature of the corporate entity works well. And so this company, the thing they want to do, like... Yes, they did some bad things of intentionally causing this thing to happen. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, so they can say, see, see, shouldn't we have AIs running everything? But on the Wayland Utani scale, I did not hate them that much. They just seem like a bumbling corporation. And honestly, I kind of think the AI should run the space station. So maybe I'm on the wrong <laughs> side here. You should treat the AIs kindly yes. and not do, you know, all the stuff to them. But it's like the inevitable march of progress and these people are like no we need to have our jobs like oh you should not be irradiated in space in this stinky environment where you're away from your loved ones for long periods of time like and so that aspect of it while i recognized everything they were going for i didn't have a visceral hatred of the hatred of the corporation i didn't feel like i needed to rescue the ai i mostly just wanted these poor people to be happier in their lives than they were here and i'm glad they all lived I enjoyed playing both of these games. I like that these were both relatively short. I would say that Edith Finch is uh, like two and a half hours, maybe, in Tacoma. I don't know, three or four hours, maybe. Maybe not even that long. 
Um, depends on how quickly you move through it. And I love being able to sit down and play a game in one or two sittings um, and have a little, uh, you know, entertainment experience that is uh, that is not something that I have to put 100 hours into. So I was happy to play them both. I would rather pay 15 or 20 bucks for one great two-hour game than $60 for something I need to invest 100, 200, 300 hours into to get the same amount of fulfillment yep. out of it. John knows who we are. <laughs> how many hours you have into Destiny? There's uh, how many hundreds? Counter Counter started over. I, don't, I think I might have crossed 900 in Destiny 1. I don't know what it is in Destiny 2. That's wow. different. That's not a game. That's a lifestyle. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> I feel that way about Skyrim. I have a 400-hour save file in Skyrim. Wow. Yeah, see, I'm never going to be that person. That kind of game gives me so much anxiety. And going back to Edith Finch for a second, I, I love being railroaded. I do not like having to think too much about how to play the game. I want to play the game, get the story, and not have to think too, too much about, oh, am I doing this right? Uh, I don't know. Do I have to slay this dragon before I become uh, mage of the college, before I beget the dragon breath word, something or other? I don't like thinking about those kinds of things. I love Brian when games... Brian is mage of the college. <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry, page. sorry. I, I really enjoy uh, being able to get the full experience of the game without... I, I don't want to say trying too hard because, you know, we do sink a lot of effort into enjoying and playing these games, but I want to not have anxiety about it, you know? Yep, I get it. I get it. And I, I like having... One of the things that I liked about both of these games is that they are giving me something that watching a movie is not going to give me, but it's also not the lifestyle gaming experience that John described. It is this other thing that is more than a movie, but is not you need to put in 50 or 100 hours for you to get something out of it. And uh, that in my life, that is the kind of game experience that I want. So I was happy to have both of these because they do that. And they, they did things that I would not otherwise get to experience and uh, both of them. And that's, uh, that's good. I got to be a sea monster and uh, kill a bunch of people on Christmas Day on a ship. So that was great. Really, your thirst for blood is sated. Yeah, for now. Honestly, I'm a sea monster every day, oh, so fair. <laughs> awkward. They aren't always playing Christmas carols, though. That's the difference there. Right. Is that yeah. you're murdering people while Christmas carols are playing. Jason, the lifestyle is waiting for that game company or Fulbright or Giant Sparrow to make another game every three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> Love these games. Uh, yeah, I think so. They, there's, uh, they, were, they were both fun to play. I had a good day playing video games today. If you can only play one, play thing. Yeah, I would say I would say that. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Um, although I really did like to playing Tacoma, and uh, it it was really fascinating with the mechanic of of the 3d sort of uh, AR scenes. But I think yeah, if you have to pay, play one, play Finch. It is uh, special. All right, I want to thank my panelists for being on. John Syracuse, thank you. Just amazed that any of us ever had a chance to be here at all. <laughs> Brian Hamilton, uh, just keep rolling and that shark will flop into the water eventually. I want this podcast to be next to a wood painting of me when I die. <laughs> wow. And Allison Truge, thank you for being here. Um, you, you'll catch that bird eventually. Honestly, we all know that I will be delicious. And... I'm Jason Snell, your host. This has been The Incomparable. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.